here on Father's Day. So could we have all of the fathers, would you please stand so we can give you a big round of applause for being a father and celebrating Father's Day. Thank you so much. We, uh, we're excited about today. It's, uh, it's amazing uh, what, <laughs> what my kids say and text to us. It was just really special, and so we're, we're, we're really thankful and excited. Um, <clears throat> The message today, as I've already kind of briefly mentioned, we're going to be thinking about fathers specifically, but really this is, this is for all of us. It's going to apply to everyone. There's no one exempt from, from the, the thoughts and the ideas. Um, we're going to be looking at some challenges that men in particular face, but it's not just men, it's all of us facing our Christian lives and, and in life in general. So challenges, a couple of challenges that we're going to look at that are real challenges. And um, um, all of us, I think, if we're honest and if we're transparent, I think we would all say yes I can identify here, I can identify with this, and I can, I admit that yes, I've had, I've faced this in my life from time to time. Um, however, if it's, you call it what you will, I, I struggled with how to, what to say, it's like a challenge, it's a test, it's a temptation, whatever you want to call it, but we all face these things but when we fail, when we fail the test, when we fail the challenge, it becomes sin in our lives. And we need to be dealing with it and addressing it as sin. Every believer has that responsibility. So when, we are, when the Holy Spirit points out something to us and, and he clarifies and makes sure that we see it as sin... That he and again, I think we can deceive ourselves as First John one nine. All those verses around there, we read that the other day. We'll look at it in closing today. But uh, it's easy to be deceived that I have no sin, and so. Uh, but we need to let the Holy Spirit do His work. He will pinpoint things in our lives, and when we He's identified sin, it's my responsibility, our responsibility, to begin dealing with it as Christians. And so I actually have some personal insights, not only uh, experience-wise, but I have personal insights into the challenges that men face because I am one. And I'll just say this, I've never ever wanted to be anything other than a man. Thank you. Don't get me started on that. I liked, I, I told it, I said it the other day, but I like it so much. It's time for Christians to take back the rainbow. All right, so that's all. We're not going to go there. Not yet. 
And I, I make no apologies about my beliefs, my biblical beliefs, what I believe about all this. <clears throat> but I also have not only personal insight because I am a man, my experience in the military being with men, the workforce, I've done a few different jobs in the workforce uh, with men and ladies, and uh, the Houston Police Department experienced in 48 years in this last April, full-time ministry, I, I think I can speak with some authority that I've dealt with some men on some issues that, and challenges that they face. I, I have a little experience. And I can tell you, most of what I'm about to preach is something that I have dealt with trying to help Christian men overcome and have personal victory in their lives as they uh, sought some help. And at this point, I can just say there's nothing really that's going to surprise me or shock me uh, coming from a non-believer or a believer. But I can tell you that I can I feel genuine disappointment over the sin and failure in the lives of Christians. I, I feel genuine, and if I feel disappointment and heartbreak, I cannot imagine how our Heavenly Father must feel. So the message today is going to be hard, but it's intended to help and not hurt. So let's start off with number one. We're only going to get to two things. I really did think that I would have a whole list. But as I continued working through this first one and then got into the second one, I said there won't be any more time for, for more. So I think number one, the main, the main issue or big problem that challenge that men and ladies, but men face and it's an area that's universal. It's a sin that's universal that people experience in different ways. But pride, pride is, is huge uh, in, in, in our lives. We battle it. So I'm going to, I want to um, use the advantage of my Thompson chain reference. And if you have a Thompson chain, you can look at 1722 in the back, and you can follow along. We're not going to read every single one, but I looked at W.E. Vine, W.E. Vine, and he and he writes and referred and defines the word pride found in 1 John 2:16. For all that is in the world, and we should we know these verses. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And W.E. Vine says that word pride there means to boast, to boast, to be boastful. And then you have other references um, Vain glory or false glory. Look, if you will, at, at uh, Mark 7. Mark 7. I was reading this and I found it interesting. Just a simple 
Now, the Pharisees, and, and this whole chapter, just look at it. The Pharisees were complaining that the disciples had eaten with unwashed, as the scripture says, unwashed hands, okay? And they found fault. And so they talk about their traditions of man, or of the elder, tradition of the elders. And when they come to the market, except they wash, they eat not. And then that's in verse 4. And then it goes on down. And then it, it goes all the way down to verse 14. I'd like to call your attention to 14 and, and down to like 23 or so. And this is Jesus' response to their complaints that the disciples were eating with unwashed hands. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand, there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. This is very huge. This is, this is very critical teaching here. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile the man. Okay? If any man have ears, let him hear. And when he had entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So, and he said unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draught, purging all meats." And he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. So I want you to look at this. This is what comes out of man. This is what comes out of man. That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within... For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy. And look at this. Surrounded by all these filthy, nasty, immoral sins. And then he lists pride and foolishness. All these things come from within and defile the man. So this is, what, this is what is defiling the man. This is what's inside of us, inside of our heart. It's not what we eat so much. It's, it's, it's what's on the inside. And he lists pride in there with adultery and lasciviousness and fortification, and all the blasphemy. And amazingly, then, uh, if you look at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, let's see if I can flip to it real fast here. 1 Timothy 
1 Timothy, in the qualifications for pastors and elders, verse 6, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. Those are outside the body of Christ, not believers, but outside. And the snare, uh, and the snare of the devil would fall into reproach. So it's important that we understand this word pride. So it's to boast or it's have vain glory. It's to be haughty in our, in our religious standards, our religious uh, demeanor, if you will, our religious traditions, if you will. It's haughty, being haughty. The, the Pharisees, that word, they were being haughty about they were more spiritual because they wouldn't eat. They wouldn't think about eating without washing their hands. And then we can be lifted up with pride. And that's why novices, those that are new in the faith, those that are juvenile, if you will, in the faith, immature in the faith, should not be in a pastoral or a leadership position because they can be lifted up with pride and be high-minded, the Scripture says. So now I want to go back and read some of these verses in, uh, that, I, that I saw in uh, 1722. Uh, <clears throat> Psalm 73, 6. Listen to this. This is what the Word of God says about pride. Psalm 73, 6. Therefore, pride compassed them about as a chain. Pride compassed them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. So think about, this is what God, I'm not, I'm not just giving my ideas or my thoughts here about pride. This is what God says. It's like a chain. It compasses them about, chains them. Proverbs 11, 2. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. So pride, if a person has got pride in their life, and they haven't dealt with it, pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 21.4, a high look and a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked is sin. Proverbs 28.25, he that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. But he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to say that I'm not going to give a commentary on that last part. 
Because I could just hear some of you now saying, here is proof I'm trusting in the Lord. <laughs> is, that, is that all we need to say about that? <clears throat> and then 1 John 2.16, let's read it again because this is where this is what we're looking at. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So, this is the word of the Lord. This is the word of God. I believe, personally, that we are all very capable of committing the sin of pride. I believe the, the sin of pride has kept a lot of lost people from ever coming to Christ because they're too proud to humble themselves as a little child and say, I need to be saved. And so I think pride has really hurt a lot of people and they're going to spend all of eternity in hell because they wouldn't humble themselves and, and uh, come to faith in Jesus Christ. The sin of pride can destroy a man. The sin of pride can destroy a family. And here's a verse I haven't used in a long, long time. But it's, I've seen it here. I have seen it here. This idea of comparing ourselves with ourselves. And we, have, we're, we can be proud of what God in his sovereignty has given us. And we didn't deserve a minute of it. But then we compare and say, well, I've, I'm doing better than they are. And I don't do this. And I don't have this in my life. And, and, and so we get in this comparison thing. So it's 2 Corinthians 10, 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves but they are measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. The scripture is clear. It's not wise to say, well, I don't do this or I don't do that. But they do. But they do. And I've seen it. I've seen families come in here and their little children walk in and sit down like little ducks in a row and sit there just perfectly. And then as they've aged and grown up and gone into their own lives, I've seen them just turn their backs because it's easy. You've heard me say this. It's easy to make children show up on the outside. But it's the scripture. Jesus is saying it's what's on the inside. You got to be dealing with the inside. And so it's important that parents learn how to deal with the heart of a child. So pride is the opposite of humility. A prideful person will refuse or admit that they've done wrong. They just won't they won't admit it. They refuse to ask for forgiveness. Because I am convinced the scripture teaches 
to ask for forgiveness is going to require humility. And if you're full of pride, then you're not going to humble yourself and admit that you've made you wrong. And be specific, not general. Not, not general. This is where I've been wrong. But a prideful person is unwilling to admit, admit that. And it takes humility to be able to go that direction. And, and so what, is the, what does God feel? What does he say about the sin of pride? James 4, 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, and resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Most will not admit it, and I've, I've dealt with a lot of folks. Most will not admit that they're having a difficulty submitting to God. Most, when, when they're eaten up and covered up with, with pride, full of pride, they will have such difficulty admitting that I'm really not submitting to God. It's not un uncommon for men to struggle with the authority. It's the authority of God. God being over us. God is in charge. God's the boss. And we're to submit to him. We're to submit to him. Humbly submit to him. And it's not uncommon for men to struggle with authority. I find it quite amusing that this is a common problem with men, especially. And it's men, for the most part, that end up in the military. And it, it, it helped me, I tell you. It helped me. I've, I had a problem with authority at home with my parents. And I've told you all this before many, many times. But I said, I'm going to go join the Navy because I don't want my mother telling me what to do anymore. And then they were telling me to get up at 3.30 in the morning. And they gave me a, 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 a short, 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 short haircut. I had the ducktails and all that. But they cut my hair off. They told me how close I needed to shave. They would look at the, the, my, my uh, locker and I didn't fold my clothes just right. And they would take them and just throw them on the floor, the deck, throw them on the deck and make you redo it. I said, well, my mother never really made me do that. And so <clears throat> authority, it's a real issue. And men many times have an issue with authority, but it really boils down to a pride issue. It really boils down to a pride issues. Now, let me just say this to fathers. I wrote this in my notes, and I've got a little star beside it. Fathers, this is important to work when you're working with your children. It's important to learn, and I'm not going to end this message I don't think there's a need. I think you need to be led by the Spirit. But you need to learn how to break the will of your child and not break the spirit of your child. You need to break the will, that strong will of a child. But you don't need to crush the spirit of your child.
Because a crushed spirit will turn out to be a very bitter and resentful person down the road. So submission requires an humble heart. An humble heart equals more grace, according to the scriptures. It's unmerited favor. But I like, I like the other definition because when we're talking about unmerited favor, I think about salvation, unmerited favor. But for the Christian, what is, what is grace? And I really like this because we get more grace when we're humble. That's what the Bible just said. We get more grace when we're humbled. And it's the desire and the power. I can have the desire, but if I don't have the power, <clears throat> I may not be able to accomplish it. But the desire and the power to do <clears throat> God's will. Choosing to humble ourselves is a great blessing. I believe we choose to humble ourselves, but we need to be reminded of this one thing. In Romans 8, 28, talks about the fact that we're being conformed to the image of Christ. Guess what? We either, <coughs> excuse me, we either learn to humble ourselves or God in his sovereignty, because he's conforming us to the image of Christ, he will humble us. He will, he will take necessary steps to humble us. Circumstances, trials, challenges, whatever you want to call it, but he is working all things together for our good. He is going to allow some things. If we are not, our heart is not willing to submit to him and humble ourselves to him. He will do it for us. He will, he will, he will put us in situations where we will be humbled because humility is a, a key mark, a key character of the Christian life. It's part of the process of being conformed to Christ. So he's going to allow circumstances and tests and trials that will certainly humble us. I, I, I just want to say, I guess a little bit stronger, God will, with authority, crush our pride. He will crush our pride. And he will produce the character of the Lord Jesus Christ in us and that quality of humility in us. But we need to be very careful and watchful and alert to the fact that in Hebrews, there's verses, I've used them so many times, but the scripture teaches that we can harden our hearts. And the warning is, do not harden your hearts. So as we go through life and things happen, we, if we've got these issues going on, we can actually harden our heart and we can, as we get harder and harder, it's, it's just like we don't even hear what God is saying. And then we become very bitter. So I'd like to just continue on, but time will not allow there's so many things that we need to think about as far as pride, but I would encourage, you know, may I just, I just want to just, just be open. More and more I'm thinking, and I've said this, I said this about three or four or five months ago. What is it like? Cause I've been, I've listened. I've been the one sitting in the pew listening to sermons. 
I just wonder, how can we hear these scriptures and know what God is saying about how he feels about certain things? And I'm just wondering, and, and y'all know I'm not necessarily just gigantic on people flooding the front, but if they do, it's okay. But I, I'm just saying, how are we receiving what are we thinking when we're listening to a sermon? Are we thinking, well, he's just given his ideas, just his thoughts. What are we thinking? I'm just wondering, are we ever, how, what would it be like to actually be under the preaching of God's word and have the Holy Spirit put on us so much con conviction that I, it's me. I don't care what anybody else says or th thinks. This is me. I'm full of pride. And God, I fall on my face. I confess to you the sin of pride. I mean, what, what, is, what is that going to be like one day when there's a genuine, real revival takes place, when people actually get convicted and respond accordingly? Rather than just sitting through the sermon and listening and even jotting a note or two and walking out exactly like we walked in. That does that does anybody ever think about that? I mean, it, it's 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 an, a work of God and God's trying to get our attention. And all of us, I have to respond. I have to think, God, what are you saying to me? God, what are you saying to me? This is so important. So we need to respond. We need to think no matter what anybody else thinks, this is what God's saying to me. And I've got some pride issues I've got to deal with. So let's move in the, the, the second direction as we think about uh, pride. And the second thing that's listed, another thing that's listed in that first John. You know, America, and I've said this before, but America is spiraling downward and it seems like it's in a free fall out of control. Would you agree to that? America is free falling in the wrong direction. And I would go so far as to say, without a doubt, my opinion is, I believe that America has lost her moral compass. With that being said... As believers, we have a responsibility to deal with personal things in our lives that can destroy our homes, destroy our marriages, and our Christian testimonies. And I'm just going to tell you, without giving details at all, but I'm just going to tell you, after being here 37 years, being in the ministry 48 years, this one topic has come up more than any other with men as they've come to me to talk about situations and struggles they're facing in their life. And it's this area of lust. It's this area of lust, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the eyes. It's amazing when you think about that idea, that thought, the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes can be done in so much secret because, because a man can lust with his eyes and look at someone or something or an object or something. He can look 
and it goes to his brain and nobody really knows what's going on except one. The lust of the eyes does not have to be overt. And I can tell you, men learn how to commit the sin of the lust of the eyes often without their wives or families even noticing. They, they get good at it. I've done this. What I'm about to tell you, I've done this. I've seen it. Go to a crowded place that back when we lived in the city, close to the city, you go to a mall and you just pick out a guy sitting on a bench and watch his eyes. I've done it. Watch his eyes. And as people walk by, he'll be talking to his kids or talking to somebody. And then his head, his whole head will turn just like that. He'll follow a person with his eyes. I've seen it. I've been talking. I've been talking to people like eyeball to eyeball, talking to them, and they totally keep talking and start looking at someone walking by. The lust of the eyes. Some are really talented and really gifted at knowing how to try to get away with it. But an all-knowing God, our Heavenly Father, knows everything, every thought, everything that goes into our, our minds. So I want to just say a couple quick things. I want you to flip back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And this, this is the second one that we're looking at here. The lust of the eyes... I've just kind of noted in my notes, it started with a lie and a look. It started with a lie and a look. The lie is in verse 4, chapter 3, verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. A lie and a look. And then verse 6. And when the woman saw... <coughs> Excuse me. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave unto her husband with her and he did eat. Ye shall not surely die. And when the woman saw, I think this struggle started with a lie and a look. Look at, um, look at 2 Samuel 11, 11, 2, 11, 2, 2 Samuel 11, 2. And it came to pass in an eventide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw. From the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. He saw. He saw. 
Eve saw and David saw. He saw. It was what he looked at. He lusted. He looked. And then you know the rest where he sent for her. We face similar situations. The devil whispers in our ear and says, it's not going to hurt anybody. This, this, look, look all you want. It's not going to hurt. It won't affect anybody else. It won't hurt you. You'll not die. It won't harm you. No one will ever find out. No one will know. And we look and we see. And then it turns to sin. In many cases, one look in one. And this is I'm telling you from what we've dealt with. In many cases, one look leads to addiction. One look can lead to addiction. And to deny this is men. I've just really and ladies, too, but men, especially to deny that you're not having a struggle. If you are, you're losing ground now this minute. And I know this is not, you know, this is not your, you know, oh, I came here for a Father's Day message. It would be really special. I mean, I want to feel good about being a dad. And I want to go out and have a, you know, a chocolate shake afterwards. And I mean, look, this is real life. This is what I've dealt with with men. I've had more men come to me in my office and in my pastoral experience to come and talk about the struggles they're having in this area of lust than any other thing. But what's alarming is the ones that will look you in the eye and say, I don't even have a clue what you're talking about. I don't have a clue what you're talking about. I don't have though. Well, I don't have any kind of struggle like that. I just want you to, I want you to be honest before God. I don't want you to even, I, I've never asked for anybody to come. I've never said, let's be accountable to each other. I never said that. These are volunteer men that have come to me in private and said, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm facing. I was listening to the focus on the family one night. And um, this was years ago. And I didn't jot down you know, statistics or anything, but they were talking about the statistics of pastors and leaders that are falling. They're, they're addicted to certain type of immoral sin. And fathers that are addicted, homes are being wrecked because of it. Because men are unwilling to admit that they've got a problem. They're, they're, they're unwilling to admit, I have a problem in this area. I don't want you to come to me. I'm not asking for you to come and, and let me be your, you know, you can confess to me. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you need to come to God. You need to come to God. You need to, he already knows it. He already knows every detail. Why don't you just humble yourselves and come on to God and say, God, I want victory. Today could be the greatest day of my life. I could walk out of here, walk out of here victorious over a sin that's hobbled me, chained me for all these years. 
But will we? There's no excuse. We will give an account. We're accountable to God. We will give an account to Him. I just want to say this too in this idea. This is what I do not understand. This is what I do not understand. Why Christian born-again believing men will allow and sometimes even encourage their wives and their daughters to dress immodestly. I don't get that. Because they know how men are. They know how men think. And they still encourage their wives to dress immodestly. I think it's time. I think it's time, folks. It's time for us to be really honest with God and say, God, he only preached on two points and both of them hit me square in the face. Both of them, pride and lust of the eyes. It's me. It's me, oh Lord, that's in the need of prayer. Stop comparing yourselves with yourselves. That's so full of pride. This invitation could be life-changing for many young men, older men, fathers, men with children. You could have your life changed today by coming to the Father. Coming to the Father and falling on your face before Him and saying, Lord, help. I need you. I need your power. I need you to change me. I need to have victory. I can't go on living like this. It's such a farce. The enemy has a stranglehold on my life. Will you come? Will you come? Will you come to the Father and humble yourself and say, Father, I need you desperately. And don't let the devil whisper in your ear and say, well, what will people think? Who cares? We ought to be caring what God thinks. So let's have our invitation. And... Spend some time in prayer. Ask the Lord to do a great work in us. And accomplish the victory that has really already been bought and paid for by our Lord Jesus. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that you have a, uh, a, a great heart, a love for us. You know where we are. You know our failures. You know our sin. You know whether we're being honest with you. And I pray today that it would be a great day of victory. That many could begin the process of being set free from the bondage of sin. I pray, Father, for your will to be done 
And if anyone is lost, that they had come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, have faith in him, believe on him and be saved before it's eternally too late for them. We love you, Father, and thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.